Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this place. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Come on, we got to do better than that, y'all. Come on. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. Man, what a blessing it is to see all of you here in this place. And to those who are streaming with us, we thank you today for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us, allowing us into your personal space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. Please remember, you're not watching to make us a big church. We are here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. Just a couple of acknowledgments I want to share with you. This week has been a really uh, challenging week. Actually, the last two weeks here, uh, we've had a number of our members who have gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, we have a couple that are in hospice care. So it's just been a really, really tough time. I think we have uh, five or six funerals uh, over this next week and including last week. And so I want you to keep these families in your prayer. On yesterday, we had the home going for Sister Betty Anthony, who's a sister of Sister Brenda Bell, one of our staff members. And uh, Sister Betty Anthony was part of our Christian workers ministry, our senior adult ministry. She was just an active member since I got here in 1994. And so uh, her her sister, Jerita, who's gone home to be with the Lord, and uh, Brenda, the uh, Anthony sisters, uh, were a formidable force for the Lord when I got here. And we are certainly grateful and thankful for her love, for her life, and for her legacy. I want to send a shout out to the family of Reverend Charlie Robinson. He is home. Uh, he is battling cancer. And uh, the doctors have said that there's nothing else they can do, but we certainly believe that God has the final say. And so I got a chance to go see him and pray with him and his family. And we want to continue to lift them in prayer. And then I got to give a shout out to my friend, Brother Willie Gentry. Brother Willie Gentry, 86 years old. He and Mother Gentry and Miss Hilda got a chance to go and visit and they watch every morning. So let me say good morning to all of them. Uh, we're grateful to the Lord. Brother Gentry is, is doing well. Uh, he is really, really way down and his health is coming back and his strength is coming back. Had a big old smile when I walked in the room and had his rooted book on his bed. And uh, so we are uh, grateful to God that he is uh, still, even at 86, committed to being the disciple that God wants him to be. On Wednesday, we have a homegoing service for Brother Willie Williams. Some of you remember Brother Willie Williams. He's the father of Sister Dee Dee Williams. Uh, just a great, great you know, some people you call a character and it's a negative, but for him, he was just a character and it was just a pot. He just had a great spirit, great personality. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord. His home going is on Wednesday. Um, and this funeral is going to have to be more structured because he's being buried uh, in the VA cemetery and they have a timeline. And if you miss that timeline, then, you know, you, you got to wait till the next day or whenever they have another opening. And so... Uh, we certainly want to honor him. Uh, Sister Ruby Poindexter, Zeb, is that you right there? Yeah, uh, is the mother of our member brother, Dr. Zeb Poindexter. Some of you remember Dr. Poindexter. His father was a dentist uh, in the Sunnyside area. He has continued that tradition. Uh, his mother, Sister Ruby Poindexter, went home to be with the Lord. Um, she's united with our church and uh, has been ill, uh, but we're, we're grateful to God that her suffering is no more. And we're going to celebrate her life on next Friday, next Friday. And then Brother Bartholomew White, who was one of our staff members, uh, worked security here, worked in operations. Uh, some of you remember him opening up and locking up. And uh, I think he ushered a little bit too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I thought he ushered, yeah. And, and, and so uh, Brother Bart uh, went home to be with the Lord, and his home going is going to be next Saturday. Uh, and then we lost Sister Annie Looney. Man, I know how, how many of you remember Sister Looney and love Sister Looney. She just had such a great spirit about her. Sister Looney uh, had been fighting cancer for a long time, lived longer than they thought she would. 
uh, but she had a tremendous faith about her and she went home to be with the Lord. And so, man, it's just been a really tough time for us here as we say farewell. But the good news is when Christians die, we are in a win-win situation. The Bible says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So if we stay here with Jesus, we're good. If we leave here to go be with Jesus, we even better. And I'm sure none of them would trade places with us right now. And so we're grateful and thankful to the Lord. And we want to cover all of these families in believing prayer. I want you to pray for Hoops for Hope. Man, they just concluded their ministry season. Had two teenagers give their life to the Lord through our ministry there. And uh, man, we're grateful to the Lord. A uh, number of the young people rededicated their lives to the Lord. And I want to thank Pastor Cameron Jenkins and the entire Hoops for Hope team for doing a tremendous job. They had their celebration on last Sunday, played in a year-ending tournament on yesterday. And uh, we just want to uh, encourage our young people every way we can. Yeah, don't they look good? We're grateful and thankful. That's just one of the teams. Those are some of the coaches. And uh, these coaches actually disciple these kids throughout the year because they not only play on Saturdays, but they have practices throughout the week. And they have time in their huddle where they spend time in the word of God and encouraging these young people. And so we're grateful to the Lord for that. And then our food pantry has done a tremendous job. And I'm grateful to God for the work that they're doing. Um, look at the numbers, if you will. Yeah, we're serving now. So, so you'll know 733 families served, 1,283 individuals served. We're now serving 100 zip codes. We only have four target zip codes, you all, but we have people coming from all over the Houston metropolitan area to be served. And our food pantry is doing a tremendous job. Come on, let's thank God for them and the work that they are doing. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. All right, listen, you got to get ready. You got to get ready. You got to get ready. Rooted and Grounded is getting ready to now launch our fall discipleship session, our fall discipleship session. And today, in the next several weeks, we want to celebrate our virtual members and those who have joined in to be discipled on the virtual platform. Now, for those of you who are watching, you heard me talk about this throughout the pandemic we were talking about man we want to bring discipleship to you whether or not you are actively involved in person in your church we believe that the digital platform gives us an opportunity to connect with you and help to change your life on the digital platform now somebody may say well you can't have discipleship unless you're in person that's not true you have to have interaction with other people because we believe discipleship is relationship based but you don't have to touch somebody to have a relationship with them now i'm not saying that's not preferable but for those of you wherever you are we're now being seen in 164 different countries y'all around the world we want to give you an opportunity to be discipled on the digital platform we got a little video to show you of one of our digital discipleship members all the way from virginia sister diona let's watch this video Hello, I'm Deanna of Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I participated in Rooted and Grounded earlier this summer. During one of the sessions, Strongholds, I was able to finally recognize how control was preventing me from following through with something the Holy Spirit had placed on my heart to do many months prior. As a result, I was able to learn how to surrender out of obedience to a higher calling of service.
At the end of July, I officially launched my personal growth and development business and podcast, all titled Sincerely Didi. And so I'm grateful for the seeds that were planted during Rooted and Grounded, because now, as you can see, they're flourishing. I'm Dr. DZ Cofield, Senior Pastor of the Good Old Missionary Baptist Church, and I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time. Now, there's a QR code on the screen. It is there to allow you to register to be a part of a Rooted and Grounded group. Rooted and Grounded is our discipleship culture at the Good Hope Church. Discipleship is not just about the dissemination of information. It's about life transformation that happens in the context of relationships relationship with God vertically and a relationship with one another horizontally. Now here's the blessing of rooted and grounded. There's an opportunity for you to have somebody pour into your life and for you to pour into somebody else's life on the digital platform. That means anywhere you are in the world, you can register and become a part of our rooted and grounded discipleship culture. We would love to have you with us. We've already had people from all over the United States. We want you to join us as well. So register today. Use the QR code and register today or go to goodhope.org and get more information about how to become part of our discipleship culture. We want you to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. Come on, let's make a joyful noise to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Man, we've seen and heard some tremendous testimonies about what God is doing in the lives of our members and the lives of those who are participating in our discipleship culture shift. And we had people in seven different states, part of our discipleship ministry in our spring session. And we're looking forward to even more coming up this fall session. We're going to kick off September the 10th. So we're looking forward to God doing something amazing and great. All right, let's go to God in prayer and get ready for our word today. Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. For this is why we've come, dear Lord, we're now ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. Father, we pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight and bring glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, wherever you are, those of you who are watching online, I want you to pull out your phone. Everybody pull out your phone, pull out your phone. I've got a little word cloud, a little survey I need you to help me with today. Pull out your phone. You see the directions on the screen for this poll session. I want you to join this session. So you will do what? Text Good Hope, one word, to 22333. 22333. And then I want you to cast your vote. So make sure you are plugged in. Join in the session and you're going to see your answers come up live wherever you are. Text the word Good Hope to 22333. Three, three, three. Here's the question for today. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how much do you think children today walk around with a sense of entitlement? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how much do you think children walk around today with a sense of entitlement? Lord have mercy. <laughs> Nobody says zero. <laughs> One, two, three. Lord have mercy. Numbers still coming in. 64% so far. Said 10. So I'm watching Family Feud, which has become a nighttime tradition with my wife. And they asked the question. This question on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how much do you think children walk around a day with a sense of entitlement? The number one answer is the same answer you gave, 10. 
Because the truth is, most of us look at this younger generation. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, we're seeing a generation that we help to create. Right? Like whatever entitlement they have, we help to develop it. Now, I'm going to give you something real simple. Like our children think they are entitled to have a television in their room. And they watch what they want when they want to watch it, right? I learned disappointment early on in life. Because there was one television. And when my grandmother came in, I don't care what I was watching. If she wanted to watch her stories, or she wanted to watch the news, or she just wanted it off because she wanted it quiet. She just walked and turned and put on whatever she wanted to put on. Anybody else had a grandmother like that? Man, didn't care what my opinion was. Didn't ask me, are you watching this? And I had no choice because they wasn't buying a television for my room. Because they remembered when there wasn't one in the house at all. And so having one in the house for my grandparents was a luxury that they did not grow up with. Now, our children have their own televisions, their own electronic equipment, their own accounts that we pay for, or they download games that we pay for, and they're not even in elementary school. We have created this sense of entitlement in many of the children that we see. But here's what's interesting. What's even sadder is we bring this attitude to God, this sense of entitlement. Listen to the preaching and teaching that's going on around the country. Look at the sermon snippets that you see on uh, YouTube and, and, and IG and TikTok. So much of it is me-centered preaching. What is God obligated to do for me? What am I asking God to do? What am I expecting God to do? I'm expecting God to bless me. I'm expecting God to deal with my haters. But if I hear one more sermon about a hater, I didn't think I could hate a sermon any more than the sermons I hear on haters. Because the truth of the matter is we live this Christian life in a way that God owes us something, not that we owe God anything. We treat God as if he is our cosmic concierge, that he is supposed to be available on demand and the world is our buffet. And whatever we want, how often we want it, how much we want, God is obligated to give it to us. And here's the mistake that happens. Because we think we deserve it, we don't see or make room for the grace of God in our own lives. Because we think we have worked hard to get where we are. And I'm not saying you haven't worked hard to get where you are. But what I am saying is your work doesn't matter without the grace of God in your life. God wants you and I to understand the importance of grace in our lives. Somebody said why? Because if you don't recognize that you have gotten grace to get where you are then you are less likely to give grace to somebody else who needs to get where God wants them to be. Today, I want to continue our series, Making Space for God's Grace. And I want to do part two of a message that we started on last week entitled, The Saving Grace of God. The Saving Grace of God. Somebody asked, why would you talk about grace, Pastor? One, I've learned in life, it's never good to assume anything. And I certainly don't want to assume that those of you who are under the sound of my voice, those of you who are watching wherever you are watching in 164 different countries, I don't want to assume that you understand grace and the role that grace played in your life for you to be saved and the role grace still plays in your life to keep you saved. 
But even more importantly than that, not only is it important for you to recognize grace in your life, I want you to be in the position where you celebrate grace and you're willing to share grace with somebody else. Because remember, in this world, there's only two kinds of people, people who what? Need Jesus and people who know Jesus. And in either case, they need you to display to them the grace of God. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. For those of you who are watching, you can go to our app and download our app and be able to download the outline for yourself on today. Now, remember the book of Ephesians is literally broken up right down the middle into two parts. Chapters one through three deal with doctrine. Chapters four, five, and six deal with duty. In the first three chapters, we have principles but in the last three chapters we have practices in the first three chapters we have our beliefs but in the last three chapters we have an emphasis on behavior because it's not enough to know what you should do God wants you to live what you have learned to do what you already know and in chapter two in particular where we're parking today he starts off by talking about what it means to have a life without Christ. He says in verse one, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But he moves to, from talking about our life without Christ to the work of God in our life that was displayed and shown to us through the mercy of God. He says in verse four, but God, that's a wonderful place to be, but God. Because on the other side of that contrastive conjunction, whatever existed before, God says, I've got something different for you on the other side. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were messed up. But God, who was rich in mercy, mercy is when you do not receive what you do deserve. As much as we walk around with a sense of entitlement, thinking God owes us something, my brothers and sisters, let's be honest. How many of us can really shout if we start thinking about the stuff we should have gotten that we had, didn't get? Matter of fact, one of the things I love about Psalm 103 is that Psalm 103 begins by talking about thanking God for what he has done. But then Psalm 103 shifts to thanking God for what he hasn't done or what he hasn't allowed. So if you ever run out of things to thank God for, based on what you have assessed he has done in your life, just start thanking him for all the stuff that he could have allowed to happen that didn't happen in your life. I think you'll be able to thank him from now into eternity. And then in verse 8, he shifts from the work of mercy to the work of grace. It's in grace, contrasted with mercy, where we do not get what we do deserve. In grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. And that's where we land today. Now, last week, just for a form of review, part one, I said you need to realize you are saved by the grace of God. And one of the reasons this is so important, that word saved literally means to be delivered, to be protected. And it speaks to an eternal deliverance from the penalty of sin, but the divine power to combat the earthly presence of sin. So we are delivered from the penalty of sin for eternity, but we also receive power to live even in the presence of sin on earth. But we have been saved. We're not perfect, but we have been set aside, right? Now, here's what's interesting to me. All of us, when we first became Christians, how many of you are Christians? Raise your hand if you're not ashamed, wherever you are. When we first got saved, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about keeping rituals, routines, and religion. I'm talking about confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10, thou shalt be saved, right? So if I'm saved, here's what's interesting. We were acutely aware of our sinfulness when we got saved. 
It's amazing how many of us now experience self-imposed amnesia on the other side of salvation because you've been living pretty good for the last mm, years, right? And you're kind of sophisticated now. See, see, when you first got saved, you were, you, you were real raggedy now, you, you, but you do good now. You don't, like, you don't cuss near as much as you used to cuss. You don't, you don't drink like you used to drink. You don't smoke like you, you don't chase like you used to chase. And you don't get chased like you used to get chased. You know? And if you chase, you don't get caught, right? You don't, you, you know what I'm saying, right? You're doing, you're doing better now. You, you, you can look back and you kind of smile because you had memories of them ungodly days, but you, you're doing better now. And, and somebody in here, you made the mistake of equating sanctification with getting old. And I understand that because you can't do what you used to do, right? But, but my point is, you've been living in grace so long that you may have forgotten how much you needed grace back then and how much you still need grace even now. Grace talks about the favor of God. Grace talks about the kindness of God and the uniqueness of God's favor is that it is never deserved. Y'all hear what I said? It's never deserved. But for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a minute, here comes that spirit of entitlement. Because we're living better than we used to live. Now we think we deserve some stuff from God. So much so that we're going to demand from God. This is what we expect from God. And we never ask, what does God expect from us? So despite your rejecting him, despite your rebelling against him, despite your hostility toward him, despite your half-hearted commitment to God, God still showed you grace. Which gets us to part two. The saving grace of God. Here's number one. You need to realize you were saved through faith in Jesus. Now, I know this is real simple, but y'all, please help me out here because here's what I need you to understand. Even when we talk about rooted and grounded, even when we talk about praying for and reaching out to friends, relatives, associates and neighbors and asking them to be part of our rooted and grounded groups, our attitude needs to be a godly attitude if we want to see God's results come from our activities, right? So we have to approach people with grace. See, here's the challenge that we have. If we forget how important grace is in our lives, then we might think that the grace that we forgot we still need, we're not willing to give to people who need it now because we don't see them as being worthy of God's grace. When the truth of the matter is, on your best day, you're still not worthy of God's grace. It's still the favor of God. So when somebody comes into your sphere of influence and they need grace, but maybe they've done something you don't agree with or they are people that you don't like and it's because of you, not necessarily because of them. And you're not willing to show them the grace of God in order for them to come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. I need you to know that the same grace they need is the same grace you received and still need even at your best. He says, you need to realize you are saved through faith in Jesus. Verse eight, Ephesians chapter two, read it with me if you will. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. The word faith speaks to belief, speaks to assurance. Uh, some words like fidelity are used. It is a dependence upon, a belief in this feeling that you have assurance or a guarantee that's the kind of faith that God says you need to have now can I tell you the problem in the world that we live in today there are more people who will put their faith in themselves than they put in God we'll put our faith in people before we put our faith 
in God. There's somebody under the sound of my voice that's listening right now. You have been hurt in life. You have gone through some tough times in life emotionally. Some people have let you down. Some folk you thought you could depend on. When you went to fight back to back, nobody had your back. And here's the problem. You put a faith in them that should have only be put in God. And you expected them to be in your life what God has promised to be in your life. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you expected somebody else to take up God's mantra and live that way for you. And God says, at the end of the day, you've got to put your trust and your faith in God. So here's what Paul wants you to know. You are not saved because you put faith in yourself. You will only be saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you believe, when you really believe that Jesus Christ died for you, when you put faith in him, literally God takes your faith and uses your faith to access his sacrifice to pay for your sins that you could not pay for on your own. He says, you've got to put your faith in God. That's when you honor God. That's when you honor his son. When you put your faith in God. And here's the point. Your faith causes God to look upon you as having been in Christ when he died. And he says, God has given you because of your faith a gift of salvation. It's a gift. Everybody say gift. Uh, look at A, your salvation is a work done by God. Your salvation is a work done by God. It's a gift. It's been done by God. You could not do it for yourself. That's why the text says, and this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. Your salvation, you, you had nothing to do with the salvation that God provided for you all you did was provide the faith to believe what the Lord did on your behalf. He gave his son to die for you because you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. But when the misery of man came in contact with the mercy of God, when the lostness of humanity came in contact with the love of God, when your deadness came in contact with his divinity, God saved you. Somebody ought to shout right there that God saved you. God saved you. Didn't have to do it, but he did. That's why Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we were out strength, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, verse 10 says we were enemies with God, but God gave his son to die for us. But look at B, your salvation is not only a work done by God, your salvation is a gift given to you from God. It's a gift from God, the B part of verse Eight says a gift from God an offering from God now remember this gift is a work of God's grace so it's a gift that is undeserved everybody say undeserved undeserved it is the free gift of God you can do nothing to save yourself you cannot earn it. You cannot win it. You cannot work for it. You cannot merit it. If a homeless man walked in here off the street, unbathed, unclean, and walked in off the street and sat down here, you are in no better position spiritually than he is without Jesus Christ. And if you looked at him funny 
And in your mind, said to yourself, we don't have them kind of people at our church. This is not the kind of church. He's sitting in my chair. I don't want to sit in that chair no more. Then you are not familiar enough with the grace that God has shown you. Because the same grace you have received, God says, is the grace that you should share with somebody else. It's not of your works. I don't care how clean you are, how sophisticated you are. Somebody may get mad at me. That's fine. I don't care what kind of shoes you wear, car you drive, or the house you live in. It's all by the grace of God. And the filthiness of your self-righteousness makes you no better living on McGregor than if you are living under a bridge by McGregor. It is the grace of God that you are where you are. Look at Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. See, the moment you start saying, oh, I earned this. Oh, I work for this. And God, you owe me. God says, oh, well, now you don't need grace. It stops being grace now. Listen, suppose I hand you a gift. I hand you a gift and I say, here, this gift is yours. I give you this gift. Take it. What is necessary for the gift to become yours? If I make the gift available, I hand you the gift. I say, this gift is yours. What makes the gift become a reality? It's when you take it. So you have to receive it and you have to use it. Otherwise, you get no benefit from it. So if the person says to me, I'm trying to give them a gift, no thank you. Or I don't believe you. Or I don't want it or I deny its existence, or I don't have time to use it, then you don't benefit from the gift that has been given to you. Salvation is a gift from God. And Paul says you got to receive that gift and live out of that gift if you want to benefit from the gift that God has made available to you. So here's what I need you to leave here with today. I need you to leave here understanding your perfection, perceived perfection, doesn't move God. You can't bring enough goodness to make God forgive you. You can't save yourself. Even your best efforts made on your best days are only done and accomplished by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life through the grace of God. And that's why he closes verse 9 by saying, not a result of works so that no one can boast. I would to God that there was a greater spirit in the body of Christ of humility than it is boasting. Now, when I say boasting, let me help somebody see what I'm saying. Because when I say boasting, some of y'all automatically think of a Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest. Right? Loud, verbose. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm braggadocious. No, we, we got quieter ways of boasting. We, we, got, we got slicker ways. We, we, know, we know how to boast. We know how to let folk know, you know who we are you know, and who we are not. You know, uh, I remember we had a little situation here years ago. And um, we were talking about reaching out and how some folk were acting and things like that. And, and you know, it, it always boggles my mind when sinners act like sinners that we are surprised. Right. Like people who don't know Jesus act like they don't know Jesus. Why are we shocked at that? Like they're fulfilling their job description. 
They don't know Jesus. How else are they supposed to act? The problem is not with sinners who act like sinners. The problem is saints who act like ants. Right? That's the problem. The people who know Jesus who don't act like they know Jesus. Right? Who act like they don't know him. And so, oh, this woman said, oh, I'm not one of those people. And I'm like, well, what kind of person is that? Oh, she's a common woman. I'm not a common woman. <laughs> Ooh. A little hoity-toity there on McGregor. I'm not a common woman. All of us need to go by Calvary and be reminded that whoever we are, whatever we've become, has been by the grace of God. And the grace we have received is the grace we need to display so that the people who need Jesus, just like we used to need him, can come to know him. And the people who know him, just like we know him, can grow in him. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. We thank you for the grace that you have shared with us. God, when we think about grace, we, we, we think about the delivering power of God's grace and what you have brought us out of, but we don't always remember that we are being kept right now by your grace. Uh, your grace that opens doors that no man can shut. And that same grace will close doors that no man can open. We thank you because we are justified not by the law, not by works, but by faith in you and the grace that you have shared with us. We thank you, God, because salvation is a gift that you have given to us that's not deserved by us. And while we believe other people don't deserve salvation, remind us today that we don't deserve it either. Remind us today that we still don't deserve it. And that everything about our salvation is because of your grace. We love you, God, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand on your feet wherever you are. Um, Paul, thank you for that reminder, man. Let's, let's sing a little bit of Amazing Grace today. You know, we used to hear the old church members sing it, and I don't even know if we realized the power of that song when we first heard it. But when you think about grace now, and you think about how far you've come, not just where you used to be, but where you could be even right now if it wasn't for God's grace. Come on, somebody can rejoice with me. I had too, too many friends in the penitentiary, too many friends in the grave, too, too many people who are... But I am here not because of any goodness of my own, not because I was smarter than somebody else. I'm here today because of the grace of God. Somebody, you don't even have to look outside of your family to see the grace of God exhibited in your life. It's because of his grace and because of his mercy we're here right now. Come on, let's sing it together. Come on, praise team. Help me out. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound.
listen, listen. We're going to sing all four verses. And here's why we're going to do this today. What many of us miss about the hymns, hymnologists were storytellers. And you can't sing the first and third verse and get the whole story. That's reading the, that's like reading the first and third chapter of a book and think you know what the book is all about. You, you got to read all, all, all of the chapters to get the whole story. You gotta, you, if you're going to hear what this hymnologist was trying to communicate about the grace of God, you got to sing all four verses. It's a story, y'all. It's a story. Come on, we're going to sing that second verse. Towards grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Come on, let's sing it together. Come on. We'll get to verse 3 through many dangers, toils, and snares. We'll get there in a minute. But come on, let's sing that second verse. Towards grace that taught my heart to fear. Towards grace that taught, that taught my heart to fear. My heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. sound of my voice if you're here right now and you know you need God in your life 
Can I, can I tell you something? The grace that'll save you right now is the grace that's been keeping you even when you didn't know God for yourself. Some people erroneously think grace is a New Testament concept. But grace shows up throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. The grace of God is present. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We're just the people who have been walking in grace a little bit longer than you have. If you're watching right now, use the QR code. If you're in the sanctuary, you can pull out your phone and use the QR code. You may not be comfortable coming. And you can use one of the hot links to say, yeah, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I want, I want to know how to ask Jesus into my life. I want to become part of the church family because I know I need the grace of God in my life. As we sing that first verse, Amazing Grace, one more time, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. Now listen, just in case, just in case, just in case, you might be here, you might be ready to come, but you don't want to walk by yourself. I want you to know you don't have to walk by yourself because there's somebody around. Anybody in here willing to walk with somebody who, who needs somebody to walk with them? Just raise your hand if you're willing to walk. All right, so here's what I need you to do. Just turn to the person next to you and say, do you need me to walk with you? If they say yes, just go on and walk with them. Look at somebody else and say, do you need me to walk with you? Yeah. Do you need me to walk with you? I'll walk with you. Come on, we're going to sing. And if you're here, come on and come. And somebody walk with somebody and help them come. Come on, amazing grace. Father, we pray now that you'll bless our time of giving, that everything that we give will be pleasing in your sight. May we honor you with our gifts, for you said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And so we pray that our heart would be in a good place to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.